This Week in Sparkling Water. My name is Joachim Eriksson, and I'm the host of This Week in Sparkling Water, and this week we're trying something new. I'm bringing back video, and also I'm laying down. For some reason, I'm really into this idea of just, I have a space every week where I just sit down and just check in with myself and do a little bit of self-therapy and and like for that to be laying down, I don't know. There's, I, I'm into the idea. I don't even know if it. I think it's possible that this might not even work. There's something like our thoughts come out different when we are laying down. Like the meditation app that I've used a lot. It's called Waking App. Waking Up. Waking App. <laughs> it's called Waking Up. It's by this guy Sam Harris, and um, in it, in the guided meditations, he talks a lot about how the quality of attention changes when we sit up straight and it's like, as I'm saying that, I'm like realizing that there is some like traditional handed down knowledge around that where teachers are like, sit up straight because there's something there. There's something real there where like when we sit up straight, our attention is like better. It's like more pointed. Whereas like when we lay down, that field of attention gets really wide and broad and diffuse. So I don't know if this really works. And also what it makes me think of is like, I've, <laughs> the, the worst feeling in the whole universe is when, when you're in a relationship and you live with your partner and you get in a fight when you're both in bed. It's like some of the, because <laughs> it's like, there's one thing, there's something that just drives you so much more crazy, first of all, about fighting in your relationship because you don't have anywhere to retreat to. So it's like, it's one thing to like have a fight at work and then you retreat to your safe place at home <clears throat> or a fight with a friend and then you retreat to your home. But it's like when you, when the person you're fighting with is in your home and if your home isn't enormous, there's just something extra bad there. But then when you lay down in the dark in bed and you're about to fall asleep, but you get into a fight, it's like, that's, it's got all the makings of like the worst it's like you're in, the, the bed is in a way psychological or something. The bed is like the safest place. But then the worst part of it is like the fights don't make any sense. Cause like when people lay down, like we can't structure our thoughts properly, which is why I think this might be a bad idea to do a po podcast laying down. But like, like sometimes when I'm in bed and fighting or like when I'm laying down and in a fight, I can just feel how any kind of like counter argument or whatever that I'm trying to come up with is just, I'm really fighting to get to any kind of thought. Like the thoughts come out way slower. There's just like this molasses quality to laying down where things just really slow down. And yeah, it just, I don't know. Oh God, my marriage was full of, when I was married, it was, there was a lot of fighting in bed, but, um, I was hanging out with this buddy yesterday and he was telling me how he has two kids now and he was telling me how he grew up in a family where they didn't fight. So he's so bad at it that when his wife tries to fight with him, he just immediately gives up. And it's like, that's just something he does because he doesn't know anything else. But for me, it's like, it took me so long to realize that that's just what you should do because there is no winning. Like, even if someone says something to you that doesn't make any sense and it's not right and there's like a logical hole in what they're doing, it's like, that doesn't matter. 
Like, you think it's good to shine a light on a logical hole of something someone is screaming at you when they're angry? Like, that doesn't help. The only way to win the war is to not fight the battle. You know, to you just lose the battle on purpose and then just, and don't hold a grudge about losing it either. It took me, that I was like in my 30s when I realized that trying to be good at fighting is like not the right direction. You know, that's the wrong skill. And he was telling me how he never fights with his wife because he gives up immediately. And then he was telling me that even though they have kids and stuff and I don't know. It's, it's a little bit private, but he was telling me how they still have sex all the time. And it's like, it just made me happy to think that there's someone out there that has certain things figured out. Because we were doing a sort of inventory of like ourselves and our own pasts and the people around us, whether just people that have told us recently that they're breaking up or that the marriage is failing or whatever. And then you talk to them more and then they're, they're like, yeah. And also we haven't had sex for like six years. And it's like, I think that's kind of true for a lot of people and we don't really know about it and stuff. Anyway, dude, I just took a shower and then immediately after the shower, I put some socks on and then immediately after I stepped in some water and then I was going to record this podcast and I'm walking around my house and I'm just, my whole mind, I'm just working, my whole mind is working on the heavy lift, the task of not thinking about how uncomfortable it is that I'm walking around with wet socks because I just put them on and it feels so wasteful to take off completely clean socks that where I just stepped in some water. As I'm saying that, I'm realizing I should have taken them off, let them dry out and then considered them clean again because I only wore them for like 30 seconds. But I eventually I just gave up and I just had to um, put new socks on, you know? Um, yeah. So another the thing I wanted to talk about today was actually like, it's been like a year and a half since I talked to my buddy Luke. I don't know. Is there anything to say about it? I love him and I miss him, but but I, I stopped talking to him because we would always get in these fights and it was really hurting my feelings. And I never, yeah. One thing I never talked about on the podcast was our last fight. Our last fight was that um, I was seeing this girl and um, it's a longer story that I kind of actually talked about on the Amanda Anderson episode, but like I was seeing this girl and she got pregnant and we were thinking about how, if it was possible for us to like start a family and stuff. And we were sort of like giddy and, and it was like a very weird positive time. And we were just like with some trepidation preceding this idea of, doing the whole thing, just doing a whole family, you know, kids, get a new car, you know, move, how do we move in together? Where are we, we going to live together? Where are we going to live? How do we do this? Like, do we have enough money for this? And just carefully waiting as the months go by, because you don't want to tell everyone too soon and stuff. Um, and then 
I was talking to my buddy Luke about it and um and he asked me, "Hey, could I could I tell your friend Sebastian?" Now Sebastian is like my oldest friend. Sebastian and me have been friends since for literally for 20 years, since I was not more than 20 years, you know, since I was like 13. We grew up together in Sweden and then we lived together in China for years. And then <clears throat> you know, we went back and forth to Sweden and China and stuff. And he's just my oldest, closest friend that I've had the most um, experience. Like we, closest is the closest is a weird word there because I don't actually talk to him that much. I, I talk to him now actually pretty much every week, which is more than normal. But we don't really talk about very serious or deep or intimate things. We just sort of like send a meme or he takes a photo of something and comments on it or whatever. It's very shallow, but it's it's fine. Like when you get to a certain age, I used to believe that all relationships must be like have a depth to them and that I would get super disillusioned and start to panic and feel like something fake is going on if we don't, if there's not depth if we're not talking about deep stuff. But then when you get older, you realize that there's just different people and different friendships and it's fine. It's fine. He's just like this very, like this very old friend and there's this thing that no one can take away from us with like, you know, being teenagers in Sweden and then being in our early 20s living together in Shanghai and then like being back in Sweden and college together in our mid-20s and then the next chapter and then, you know, going to his wedding in China and just so many chapters. And it's just fine. Like I used to feel threatened when other people seemed like they were closer to him now, like I was losing him. But I realized that he'll just always be this friend of mine. And we're actually extremely dissimilar. And that's also fine. Because there's just something there that no one will take away from us and it's just... We're just friends, and there's nothing there for me to worry about. And so Luke was asking me, hey, can I tell Sebastian that you're having a kid? And it's like, Sebastian doesn't have any kids. I don't have any kids. It's like the first time him and me in this 25-year friendship that someone brings up this, you know, this thing. And it's like, kind of like when I told him that I was getting married, you know, it's like, we were always these people that had this like super immature emo vibe of being like, Oh, I'm so crazy and emo. I'm not going to live to be 30, you know? So don't, no need to think about that. And then to, to present the idea that you're actually getting married and you're actually going to be a grown up and you're actually going to not die before you're 30. And I'm actually going to be a normal person now. And I'm actually going to take life kind of seriously. And that's, that's like a big chapter. That's a big milestone. But then, um, the kid thing is maybe an even bigger milestone or whatever. And so Luke asks me if he can tell Sebastian that I'm having a kid. And I'm like, no, bro, that's my, that's my, my guy, you know, like I'm going to tell him I'm looking forward to telling him this. It's a big, fun, interesting piece of information with a lot of emotion, wrapped up in it, you know? Like we used to be so email 13 year olds and now we're in our thirties and to just, to, to, to just be able to look out over the vista of how far we've come and how much better we're doing now, you know, with just like sobriety and 
less self-destructive behavior and just less bad behavior. Like, let's just making the world a worse place. Like, we used to make the world a worse place, and now we are trying to be a little bit older than that. And we're trying to be more mature than that. And then Luke just told Sebastian anyway, even though I told him no. And it was just this thing where, like, it made me, it hurt my feelings. It really hurt my feelings. Because it was, he just took that away from me. And it's a, it, I don't know, there's something about that that's universal that I think it's easy for anyone to understand. But I also feel embarrassed about that that hurt my feelings because there's something like we're not supposed to care or whatever. But I cared. I cared. I cared and it hurt my feelings. And then Luke would do stuff like that every four months and I'd get mad at him and we'd have a fight for three weeks. And then we wouldn't talk for three weeks and then we'd talk again. And then the few months would go by and he would do something again and I'd be mad again and we'd have a big fight. And we never really reconciled anything and, and it never really got good. But really, I think it's um an expression of a bigger problem. And the bigger problem is like that... I'm this lonely person and I don't, I move around too much between countries and cities and stuff. So I never really have close friends where I'm at. And so when you do that too much, when you move around too much, um, you end up having all these friends that are like friends on your phone, people that are far away and you video call them sometimes and you do voice messages. Americans don't do this. Americans are not on this train, but maybe this is not for the Americans, you know? Everyone else, like Luke is a New Zealand guy in New Zealand, you know? And I never see Luke in real life, and we were just friends. We were just two lonely people who, for some reason, maintained this friendship through video calls and voice messages, even though. We live on different corners of the earth or whatever, and we would talk every single day a lot. And um, I think that's an expression of like dysfunctional loneliness because there's something to it about um, having a friend that's just on your phone. There's something to it that's like it's similar. It, it's similar to addiction problems. And bear with me for this comparison here. I've talked about this many times. How like. The thing about addiction problems, the thing about me with drugs and alcohol, even with just like weed, was that it's always this yearning for something. So you war you travel towards that thing, but you never get there. And so even when you're there, you're not there. So the the example that I've brought up on the podcast many times that that really makes it clear to me is this one time when I was um, standing with two buddies we're standing just in a circle smoking weed and i'm and i have a doobie in my hand and i'm smoking weed and i'm super stoned but i i'm still not i still don't get what i want from the experience but i believe that weed can get me what i want and so i say out loud we should go smoke some weed as i am smoking weed and i wasn't joking it wasn't i wasn't trying to be funny I was just, it was just an expression of a desire. It was a desire to travel towards, I to not want, I was feeling sad and anxious. And I believed that weed could make me feel not sad and anxious. And nothing was ever powerful enough to make me not feel sad and anxious. So even when I was smoking weed, I still thought, 
I still want, oh God, I'm not explaining it very well. I'm not explaining it very well because I'm laying down. I also think my voice sounds different because, different because I'm laying down. But anyway, there's something about always, you know, one beer is too many, a thousand beers is not enough. There's something about that that's like you want to travel towards something, but you never actually get there. And there's something about um, loneliness and having a friend just on your phone that's similar. And it actually makes you spend more. I, I don't know if this is true, but it sometimes it feels like it makes me spend more time being social. Like my best friend right now my is this girl, Sam. And Sam, I haven't seen Sam for 10 years. And I talk to Sam every day for probably two hours. And Sam, <clears throat> we leave each other voice messages and we do uh, video calls. And And sometimes I have a day off and I want to get a lot of stuff done. And I check my phone and I have a bunch of messages from Sam and I'm like, okay, I'll check these messages and then I get a bunch of stuff done. And it's like, I can literally spend an entire day. Like she will leave me. <laughs> I just, I don't know if you can really understand what I'm saying here. She will leave me one hour of voice messages. And as I am listening to them, um, I will respond along the way. I will pause her voice message and then respond and send her a six-minute voice message response to something she's saying 10 minutes in. And then I'll keep watch, uh, listening. And it's like, I have many times talked about how there's something about voice messages that's actually the most structured way of talking about something because you no one is getting interrupted because you're not interacting in real time. So you can fully flesh out your idea and give your idea exactly the amount of time it needs. <laughs> I don't know why this feels so stupid. I feel so stupid right now. I feel so stupid like this doesn't make any sense. But the point is that like, I feel lonely. So I listen to Sam's voice messages and then I can literally spend an entire day just listening to and responding to voice messages because I want connection because I want human connection because I like want to spend time with someone but really it's like if I just had a friend in real life I could probably spend two hours with that friend in real life and get a sort of like the the extrovert in me could be satisfied but because it's not in real life it's just sort of this it's like the difference between porn and sex you know like if you want sex how much porn do you have to watch and if you want 15 minutes of sex, maybe you have to watch 24 hours of porn. You know, like there's this, because it's this shallow um, diet, shitty Kirkland signature version of the thing you really want, you need so much more of it. And because it never actually gets you there, you keep going forever. And that's like how it turns into like an addiction thing. And so how this what i'm the point i was really trying to make is like there's something to it also where it doesn't really feel real and it's not like the the true ethical framework of a friendship maybe doesn't feel completely present and like when some when sam tells me something is a secret 
I like don't file it away in the same secret compartment in my brain as when someone in real life looks me in the eye and says, look, this is a secret. Like my whole life will be ruined if you tell someone this. And I think maybe in the same way, and now I'm actually standing up for Luke here. I think maybe because Luke and me, we haven't seen each other for 10 years. When I tell him, hey, so this the girl I'm seeing, she's pregnant and I'm going to start a family. And he's like, hey, that's so cool. Can I tell Sebastian? And I say, no, I obviously want to tell Sebastian myself. And then he just completely ignores what I say and just tells Sebastian in any way. It's like, um, maybe that's mostly, an, maybe part of what that's, that's partly an expression of Luke being a shit person. Sure. <laughs> but maybe it's also an expression of the, they're just whimsical. It's very ethereal. It's got this like see-through fabric quality. Like having a friendship where you never see them in real life, it's, it has this sort of like fluttering see-through fabric quality where it's not really there, you know? It's not really in the room with you. It, it feels very... unsatisfying and also meaningless but it's like yeah i don't know i wonder if pretty soon we'll have like vr headsets that capture our whole face in a meaningful way where you just pop a headset on and then you sit on a couch and then you look over on the couch and like your person your friend who's actually in thailand is sitting there next to you on the couch and and you can talk for an hour and a half and it's like it actually satisfies the animal part of the brain that wants to be social in a full way. Because what we're doing right now doesn't. You feel me? Yeah. Anyway. Sometimes when I'm like four hours, like when I was, when I sit and I'm like, oh, I was supposed to do stuff today. And then I'm like four hours into sending voice messages back and forth and I look at this wall of messages that are left that I still have to listen to and I realize it's been four hours. I just, it feels similar to whatever journey I'm on right now, I never actually get what I want from this journey and it feels similar to how I smoked all the weed in the world and it never, it never got me, it never got me what I wanted, you know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, anyway, maybe there's something else. What else is there to talk about? So I, um, I mentioned this last week that like I, I posted on my Instagram and my Facebook that I, um, published a novel that I self published a novel. And, um, and then today I logged in to the back end and looked at like my Amazon back end and I looked at if I if anyone bought the book and 40 people bought the book. And it's so funny because I'm supposed to be so embarrassed. You know? Like 40. <laughs> I'm supposed to be so embarrassed because that's supposed to be such a small number, but it's just I've never enjoyed the luxury of having anything be successful in any sort of like internet way where something is successful in a way where like, oh, 10,000 people are watching me right now. Like, I've ne it's never, <laughs> it's never been like that. So for me, 
I don't know. I really think that it's like we start on zero. We start on zero. And then we're, when we're born, we start on zero. And when we notice that one person is seeing us, that becomes our frame of reference. And we're like, oh my God, one person knows that I'm alive. I feel loved. I feel like there's a human connection. My frame of reference is one. And then we grow up a little bit and we have a friend circle. And it's like we have eight friends in third grade. And you're like, wow, I have eight friends. I actually feel kind of good about that. My frame of reference is eight. And then if you never blow your brain up with like, I don't know. It's so interesting. Like I was I was talking to Kaya at work and Kaya is like this, I don't know, what is she now? She's probably 20 years old at this point, but I've known her for two years and I think she maybe wasn't even 18 when I got a job at Holbrook or whatever and she was already working there. And she's like really pretty in this sort of young girl way. And then this one time I asked her if she had ever been, if she was on TikTok or whatever, because I don't know why we were talking about it, but she said she's not on TikTok. And I was asking about why, not suggesting that she should be on TikTok because no one hates social media more than me. But she described this thing of how there was some viral dance or something that she did. And because she's like a pretty young girl, she did this viral dance and it went viral and she got like 350,000 views. And she was sitting with the feeling of what that felt like and she didn't like it. So she deleted the whole thing. And I just felt so much respect for her in that moment because it's like, what's cooler than being successful and choosing not to be? You know, because there's so many directions you can go with it when you have 350,000 people watching. Like, you can be like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to get a sponsor. You know, I'm going to get sponsorship. I'm going to do ads. You know, I'm going I'm to keep riding this wave. But it's like that thing, that feeling that isn't for everyone, apparently. Whatever it feels like to have 300,000 people watching... Yeah, I don't know. I felt a lot of respect for her because even though I'm um, probably 16 years older than her, there's something there's something there where she is more um, well-adjusted of a citizen in the modern world, more adjusted than me. Because it's like, it's probably just better to not be on your phone a lot and it's probably like what she did was probably really good for her but like me yeah i don't know me i i i don't think that's i don't think i would have the like i need i'm like i have addiction issues you know and my addiction issues are like about human connection and i would get confused about what it means and I would be like, oh, this means that I'm connected to 300,000 people. And and then my frame of reference would just be ballooned up to that. And then I would, it, it would have to be that size again for it to ever register, like for the needle to move. But instead, not, I've never broken away from, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, man. I've never, because it's so gendered. It's so, is it gendered? I don't know. I say that it's gendered because there's been a number of times recently where um, someone who is a girl has told me about something where like, yeah, on the internet, 
I get thousands of these. I get thousands of these messages. And I'm like, oh, as a boy doing me, I've never gotten a thousand of anything. You know what I mean? And then I'm out here like, there's about 90 people listening to the podcast every week. I'm real happy about that. Because I've never known any number higher than... I've never felt... Now I'm making myself feel bad about it. (laughs) I'm making myself feel so bad. But somehow, I've never known any number bigger than 90. So that's my frame of reference. So when I put something out that you have to pay money for and to go into the back end and have like... To see that like 40 people bought the book, I'm like, damn... That's so cool. I don't know. And I should feel like a loser. And now, somehow I talked to myself. Somehow I started talking about it and I did, and I felt good about it. And then I brought up Kaya and now I feel like a loser somehow. I don't know. That didn't work out very well. This morning I woke up from a nightmare, which was that I was driving. I was in the back seat. Uh, we were in these snowy mountains. In a, it looked a little bit like when I was driving to Yosemite. That's what the scenery looked like. And I'm on my phone, and I'm looking at something about my audiobook that I put up. And I'm looking at it, and I'm noticing that all the chapters are labeled incorrectly. So they are being played not in sequence, not in proper sequence, then being played all random. Like the first chapter, like if you buy my audiobook, the first chapter that will start playing is chapter six. And then it's like some other chapter three, and then it's chapter one, and then it's chapter 10. And I'm looking at it like, oh my God, I fucking did it wrong. It's all these people are listening to it and it's not making any sense to them because it's it's wrong. And they thought I was doing something of like, oh, it looks like I'm trying to do something. Oh, for in this moment, laying down, telling this story, I'm almost connecting more with the nightmare than with the reality of like that I am awake and that this is. Um. Oh God, it's making my eyes tear up because it's like such. A, it's my biggest fear. Nightmares are just you know. Aren't nightmares just a, a little listicle of your biggest fears most of the time? This is my biggest fear. My biggest fear is someone making fun of me for this. Oh, fuck. God, let's just sit with this feeling of fear for a second. My my biggest fear is someone making fun of me for all the stupid, stupid shit. Like, my biggest fear is me posting the video of this episode on Instagram and someone commenting under it and going, you're such a loser. That's my biggest fear. Um, and so uploading my audiobook and making it doing it incorrectly is my biggest fear because it's the same fear because it's like it reveals that there was no producer anywhere there was it was just me doing it and if i do it poorly it's obvious that i did it and that i'm just a loser and so oh god that made me feel so bad so i yeah i was fearful that Oh God. Anyway. And so in the dream, you, the, I've uploaded it incorrectly. So all these people are listening to my audiobook and they're hearing it in a nonsensical order. And we're in the mountains. And I, the last, like, 
my phone isn't working because I don't have reception. All I can see is it just loaded enough to for me to know that it's uploaded wrong and now I can't fix it because I'm in the mountains. Yeah, that's my biggest fear. Oh, God. Maybe I should drink water. It's funny because that's like another problem here. Like I have a sparkling water podcast where the idea is that I'm going to be laying down for the whole thing. But you can't very well drink water while laying down, can you? All right, so maybe it shouldn't be fully laying down. Maybe it should just be kind of laying down. So um, water of the week here is Castle Rock Water. Freshly sourced from from Shasta Spring. That's cool. That's pretty close. Shasta. I bought this as a... So I live on the ridge, which is what the locals call this area that is probably the shape of a ridge. It's probably a mountain ridge. And to to drive to work, I have to drive down a mount, a winding mountain road that then hits a bridge that goes across a river that goes in the valley between the two mountains. And then I drive up a winding mountain road. And then I get up and then we go down again and then we go up. And at some point there, I get to something called the ridge. And it's famous for like, uh, it's full hippie. It's like super, super redneck hippie off-grid, like super, super rural small town with a lot of meth heads. But, so when I moved here, everyone was like, dude, you can't live there. You're not like that. But then it's actually nice up here. And it's actually super wholesome. And it's mostly a bunch of old people who are retired, like who used to be really hippie, but now they mellowed out a little bit. And now they're just kind of open-hearted, chill people. And then there's a grocery store here. And that's why I'm bringing this up. The grocery store up here. Like this is fascinating to me as a Swede because as a Swede before moving to America, this is the one part of the, oh God, I can make anything long-winded. Before moving to America, I was living in China for 10 years. And I, for many parts of that, I was a teacher. And when I was a teacher, I always, I was mostly teaching English. And to get paid more, I always told people I was an American, even though I had only spent a total of two weeks in America one time. And um, so pretending to be an American in China, I always felt this feeling of, well, imposter syndrome is one word you could use for it. Um, but it was it was more like an actual actually being an imposter. <laughs> it's not so much of a syndrome. It's just more like I was an imposter and I was kind of nervous about it. And I always felt this um, fear of being found out. So I would always try to know everything about America. And so I would frequently ask myself this question of like, what is it that Americans know that Swedes don't know that I have to find out and know so that no one... Because sometimes you're out there and you're working for... Your boss is Chinese and most of your coworkers are Chinese, but maybe the boss, who's a Chinese guy, has an American friend. And maybe in the office you get introduced to this American friend and you do a little bit of small talk. And the guy is like, so where are you from? And then I have to... Swedish guy, only been in America two weeks ever. Swedish guy out here being like, yeah, I am from, and then you say a place name, right? So I went through a couple of different 
places that I pretended to be from. Um, and like, I would flesh out a backstory and stuff. And I had been to San Francisco because that's where my uncle lived. So I would pretend to be from the suburbs out there in San Francisco. But it's like, there's a lot of words around it. Like the Bay, Frisco. There's a lot of words that are like, <laughs> that that are used and not used by people who are and aren't from there. Like you can really know, it's quite easy to see through someone, you know? Um, but so I remember when Google Maps came out with like street view and i remember just being on street view a lot and just looking at streets and looking at what uh, what stores were called because i felt like i didn't have a good sense of like what are stores in america called are they called johnny's is it called like johnny's is it called the crab shack or is it called like you know what is it called and so i bring that up because yeah, I don't know. One funny thing was that for for a good five years, I had a resume that I would um, send out when I wanted to be a teacher. I'm like 22 years old. I'm living in China. I have put together a resume about how I went to college in the U.S. And like I'm from the U.S. and I went to college. Both of those things are not true. I made a fake degree and stuff. And then I um, put listed like my high school and college and stuff and like – I just Google. I just found like a high school, and um, <laughs> it's just so stupid. But so there was this place called Victory Academy. I don't know anything about it, but it was like outside of San Francisco or something. And I wrote that as my high school. And then me and my buddies, we would. Um, I had some French friends who would sometimes try to pretend to be Americans to make more money, and it worked less well than when I did it, but it worked a little bit. And then they would, I would just let them copy my resume. And then they would be like, should I change some of the words? And I'd be like, yeah, change some of the words. You know, don't pretend to be from the exact same place. And they would like Google it. And then I remember one of my buddies, uh, this one time he was going to copy my resume and pretend to be from there, uh, from where I was pretending to be. And he just sent me this screenshot of, if you Google Victory Academy, there's this website where you can learn more about a school like it's clearly aimed at prospective parents who are considering putting their kids in this school and you can see different star ratings for the teachers and stuff but then if you scroll down there's a pie chart and it's a it's a demographic pie chart and it's like the racial breakdown of the school and Victory Academy the school that I've for 5 years said that I went to high school at if you look at it it's there's absolutely zero diversity at this school it is 100%, no fraction of anything else. It's 100% of students at the school are African-American. <laughs> it's so stupid. It's so stupid to think that that's funny, but I thought that was funny. <laughs> and he just sent me this screenshot and he's like, hey, dude, maybe you should change it. <laughs> oh, God, it's so stupid. But anyway, so I remember being fascinated with certain questions, including the question of, what are actual stores like? What's what are what are stores called? And it's the answers are weird, man. The stores are called stuff like Safeway. Like Safeway is the name of a store. Like what does that mean? And like that's the thing, dude. If you're pretending to be from America and you have the accent nailed down and you've watched all the TV shows, no one in a TV show has ever mentioned Safeway, but. 
if you're in China and you're pretending to be from America and you're some guy, some American walks up to you and you're shooting the shit and he's telling a story and he's saying, yeah, and then I went to Safeway, you can't be like, what's a Safeway? Because you're, they're going to see right through you. But the point of why I'm telling this story is because I bought today's water at the grocery store up here on the ridge, which is named differently than regular stores because the store is called mother truckers it's called mother truckers which is like okay so it sounds like motherfuckers but it's also like here's the thing it has nothing to do with truckers like that like maybe that would be a funny name for a store if you're on a highway where a lot of long where a lot of truckers and lot lizards hang out but that's just not the case anyway Castle Rock water, unflavored, and it even says lightly carbonated spring water. So I'm going to just, you know, that's nice, actually. Like, it's a little bit different from the most modern form of sparkling water is this thing where they try to do super, super fizzy bubbles. But a more classic European thing is actually to take spring water and just lightly carbonate it. And it's fresh as fuck. Does the unflavored sparkling water have a smell? No. Yeah, dude. That's lightly carbonated, delicious sparkling water. I mean, it is nice. Because it's like a thick-ass fucking cool-shaped weird glass bottle that feels like an old medicine bottle or something. Yeah, man, that's a 10 out of 10. Shasta. You know? That's Shasta. Um, yeah, I don't know, dude. I was talking to my buddy Sam yesterday, and um, she was telling me how one problem in her marriage is like food, where like her husband has this idea of what food should be. Food should be that you need to sit down together. The wife needs to approach the man about how food is coming up. And if the wife doesn't approach the husband about it, then you have a little micro fight about it. And then there's a little bit of like, why are you such a shit wife? That's the context, right? And then she tries to work on stuff. She's like in film school at UCLA and tries to write a script. And so she's sitting and trying to focus and trying to write and really struggling with it. And there's a big writer's block thing and, and she needs not to be surrounded by bad mojo and stuff. And so it gets in her head of how having to put together food in two hours is fucking me up and I can't focus because of it. But then I asked her if she'd heard of this concept of girl dinner. Because I think, dude, it's so fascinating to me how we have these shallow memes in our culture um, and now I mean meme in the bigger sense, like in the academic sense of what a meme is. Like a meme is these micro comedy things on the internet, but they, in a bigger sense, in the academic original definition of meme, it's it's all the imagery, all the cultural imagery that we can sort of refer to. So like a pre-TikTok meme that's like old, that has always existed, is this concept of like, it's annoying when you ask your girlfriend what she wants to eat, what restaurant she wants to go to, 
And then she says, I don't care. I'll go wherever. And then you suggest something. And then she says, I don't want to go there. And it's like, well, bitch, why don't you suggest something? Like, that's a meme. That's a thing that has existed for longer than I have been alive. That idea of that conflict or that disagreement in heterosexual relationships, that, that gendered thing of like women are finicky about, well... They're, women are annoying about, from a male perspective, women are annoying about food because why can't they just decide? Or like, if they say that they are cool with whatever because they don't really have a strong feeling, then what the fuck is this arguing when I suggest something? That's a meme that's existed for a long time. And then this girl dinner meme is presented on TikTok where someone um, sings this little, so for the for the 5% of the audience that have never heard of Girl Dinner, let me explain it. It's like this. Someone on TikTok sang to themselves a cappella off key. This like the word words girl dinner. And we're like this, girl dinner, girl dinner. And then to the audio of that singing, they film weird combinations of food that they will sometimes eat for dinner. And it's always sort of like a motley um weird combination of snacks it'll be like half a bottle of triscuits and like you know something that might be a condiment or maybe like pickles or maybe like five olives and then like a cake pop from starbucks that's girl dinner it's like five things that don't seem like they would go and it's it's People say that girl dinner, that it's about you eat it over the trash, over a trash can or whatever, but I don't think that's true. I think girl dinner, you can actually be self-respecting with girl dinner and you can actually put it all on a plate and make it nice for yourself and prepare girl dinner and then go and sit in front of the TV and eat your girl dinner. But it's like, it's like three small snacky things that you put together. The three is kind of key and the concept of how they, they shouldn't really go. And so that's girl dinner, right? And then I watched this video of a girl breaking down what girl dinner made her realize. And it is the fact that, like, it's probably true. Oh, little Shasta, Mount, little straight, freshly burped from Mount Shasta burp there. Um, it's probably true that there's a difference in caloric intake between men and women. Like, women bodies... Okay, and I don't mean that in a trans, I don't mean those words in a transphobic way, but like women bodies need, uh, have a probably a lower caloric um, need and a lower protein need, just an overall caloric need that's lower. And also women just need less protein. So like when men have this idea of how they want real dinner, maybe the whole problem the whole time has just been like women don't even really want real dinner. Because they fucking had 900 calories for lunch, so they're chilling, so they just want a little bit of food. I just think it's so interesting how we have these shallow, seemingly shallow memes in our culture about like, oh yeah, she can't never decide what we're having, what restaurant she wants to go to, or the girl dinner on TikTok. But they like are suggestive of deeper, truer things in, in fucking relationships and human nature. And it's like, Sam and her husband, they have these fights about food. And it's like, without the memes, 
it's hard for us to understand ourselves. I think that we have so much, there's so much like collective consciousness wisdom in us when we really study the tiny little micro three second audio clip joke that becomes big because everyone feels it a little bit. The stuff that becomes really big is suggestive of deep truth. And there's so much wisdom there that's like handed down. And I, it's why I really believe that the meme makers are the leader. They are the cultural leader. Like they are the great philosophers of our era. There's no one I respect more than the, the people who make the memes that become the really big thing. And you know, one huge thing of why we should respect them almost infinitely is that there's so little credit involved in the meme making. Being a true meme lord, like we don't know who sang Girl Dinner. And the fact that this person is out there and she sang those words because she had this idea of like, isn't this kind of funny to think that I'm a girl and I have dinner and it's different than how boys have dinner. And so I eat these three weird combinations and I'm going to sing about it and I'm going to make this TikTok video and then it goes viral and then everyone else does the video. And then all the girls together realize that they do this thing that's kind of different that they never really talk to each other about until someone does a TikTok video about it. And then the original girl who did the audio doesn't even get credit. Like, do you understand how fucking enlightened Buddhist that is to not even take credit for being this like incredible philosopher who puts out this idea that sweeps the earth? Like an idea that just through straight sort of true free market or whatever you want to call it, word of mouth, just like not forced in any way, like whatever the opposite of a Nepo baby is. The thing where you, it's not because your dad's a producer and you have clout and you become famous because you get to be the protagonist in fucking Hunger Games or whatever. No Nepo baby shit at all. You just put out a video and everyone feels it a little bit. So everyone hits like, so it goes super viral and everyone gets to thinking a little bit about it because it is suggestive of something deeper. And then you don't even get credit. <laughs> you don't, no one even knows who you are. Like, do you understand how true, like Buddha, if Buddha was alive today, Buddha would be a fucking meme maker. Because the thing of, you know what's more enlightened than Buddha? Not even be, because Buddha took credit, you know? Like we know his name. We know his name and his story, and even though he fucking transcended and and it's the ultimate death of ego and and you know fucking Buddhist teachings and writings and a lifetime of meditation practice and all this fucking stuff that isn't supposed to be about taking credit or something, but we still know what your name is though, so you're kind of taking credit. Like you're kind of a brand though in the end. Like, like you know. Like how I'm not fucking enlightened. I'm fucking on camera, you know? Like I, you know, I can be honest about how there's no ego death here. I put my name on this shit. <laughs> but it's like, God, I fucking respect meme makers so much. Anyway. I don't know. And then just the freedom of, the freedom of, 
the joy of feeling recognized and recognizing yourself in the memes of our era it's just so there's so much liberate like there's so much spiritual liberation there and just this thing of like i don't know i've watched so many videos of girls that are just like oh i didn't realize that anyone else was feeling like this but i actually feel an incredible sense of peace and it's such a weight off my shoulders when my dude that I'm living with goes away for a few days so I can get a break from like having a big meal for dinner because I don't want to have a big meal for dinner. He does. And we just don't have the language of saying, nah, I'm not actually that hungry because I don't actually need that much food. Like I need so much food personally. I probably consume 3,500 calories. Like, I have such big dinners. Like, I have a weird thing with food, though, where I don't really eat until 6 p.m. And then I have, like, three really large dinners in quite quick succession. Because at 6 p.m., I'm hungry in this incredibly hollow, cavernous way. So I'll eat, like, an enormous meal. And then it will not even that will not really satiation won't even really be there or like even 90 minutes after an enormous meal i'll be like shit man that was one of those things where i was so empty that i could just eat one more and then i'll eat another huge meal an hour later and then at midnight it's ice cream you know and like i'll frequently have a very large plate of spaghetti and marinara sauce and meatballs at like 1 a.m., you know? Because that's my caloric intake. And then there's some, you know, then there are women out here that are like 1,400 calories a day. Anyway, there's such a beautiful sense of, like the demo- democratization, oh, I can't even say that word, democratization of um, the tools of making sound and video and just audio recordings and just making memes that the giving of the tools of that to everyone is so beautiful and it makes it so that we can all just put an idea out and then out of the 100,000 ideas the one person that just has this idea that just feels universally true to everyone that gets to just be put in front of everyone like i think there's really a way for us to be grateful about social media and memes Like, because there's so much there. There's so much wisdom there. Us speaking in conversation with the algorithm, you know? Just humanity in conversation with the algorithm. There's just so much. The waves back and forth. It's really just like, oh, God. Anyway, whatever. I think think that's the whole episode. But, but, um, yeah. Anyway, I I think I just have to call it there. I got to go do something else. Um, I love you guys and... um, I love you guys and thank you for listening.